2021 is finally here. Can, all right, right? Can we get, can you guys clap? I know there's only like four people in here, right? But, but clap at home. If you're at home, clap, right? 2021 is finally, finally here. And the question is, the question is, are we going to be a church this year that has purpose and power? Are we going to be a purposeful and powerful church this year? And, and, and that's the question that I want to open up with. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to say as your pastor, I'm expecting, I'm expecting great things this year. That's what my expectation is. I'm expecting a powerful move of God. I'm expecting purpose to just pour out and for people to just start rising up and, and working and, and serving in the ministry, expanding the kingdom of God. I, I, that's, all my, that's my expectations. That's my expectations. Amen. Now we look and say, okay, 2021 is here. Amen. We get excited. And some of us are like, yeah, but how can we be powerful and purposeful if 2020 was so horrible? How can, how can we be so excited for a new year, right, that we don't understand, uh, we don't know yet, but how can we be excited for this new year when 2020 was, was <laughs> we faced many trials, we faced many tribulations, you know, there was much, much hardship, you know, there was death, there was violence, and we can, the list goes on. We, we already went through some of that list last week. We think about, like, how can we be purposeful and powerful after a year like that? Well, I have to tell you that I still believe in a God of hope. I mean, I don't know about you, but I still believe in a God of hope. I still believe that he is seated on the throne. I mean, that's what I believe. I still believe that the God that I serve is mightier than anything that can possibly come our way. I mean, that, that's what I still believe. I don't know if you still believe that. So we have to let, we have to, we have to uh, let our hope and trust reside in him and not what we see and read on our feed or what we see on a screen. So you have to make a decision this year. And the thing is, look, we're in the beginning of the year. We, everybody has resolutions. No, make a decision this year to say, that's what I believe. I believe that the God that I serve is greater. That's the decision that you need to make today before we can even move forward. Okay, all right, so people are like, yeah, yeah, I believe, woo. All right, so how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this, Pastor? All right, um, are you going to send this to, maybe, uh, maybe we can figure out and, 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 and locate and find 25 Find Your Purpose retreats. Uh, uh, Erica, I'm going to send you to 25 retreats this year so that you can find your purpose. <laughs> retreats, retreats, retreats. I'll send you to one after the other after the other. I mean, because I mean, if I send you to 25 of them, then eventually you'll find your purpose, right? Or how about, Dennis, how about I send you to 50 motivational seminars so that you can learn how to be motivated and that you can motivate other people? If I send you to 50, by then maybe you'll understand. Retreats, seminars, conferences, you know, uh, Maybe I should assign life coaches to everybody, you know, so you guys can get, learn what to do. I mean, listen, we're living in times, especially in this virtual world, all of us on our social media platforms have at least five or six to ten life coaches in our friends list. So, so they're not hard to find. Let's get everybody life coaches because that's the answer to find your purpose, to find power. 
Or how about, how about as a church, how about we invest thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars to get TVs and, and media and screens and lights and all the, all the pizzazz, right? That will captivate the attention of people. That will captivate the attention of the lust that they need for entertainment, right? Because that's what we do when we do all that. I'm feeding the lust for entertainment that our flesh is crying out for. Entertain me. But let's do all that. Let's spend all this money on that. Because then that, that way, as a church, we'll find our purpose. We'll find power in all that stuff. Let's bring in. Let's bring in these high, known, scale preachers. Right? These, these preachers that have a name, that they've made a name for themselves, and, and let them preach to us so we can find our purpose and power because, you know, what? God speaks through them. Maybe nobody else. But God speaks to them. And it doesn't matter if we have to put the church in debt in order to pay some of these preachers to come to our churches. I mean, we don't care. I mean, don't worry about it. We're going to find purpose. We're going to find power. It's okay if we put all these thousands of dollars into having someone come. And we pay for them. We pay for their entourage. We pay for all their hotel rooms. Well, let's, let's, let's find our purpose in that. Whew. Church, church, church. No, that's not how we do it. It's not how we do it. The answer is no, no. How many of us are one, two, three, four? No, 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 no. No. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't speak through those ministers. Just, you know, for clarification, since the world is watching. I'm not saying that he doesn't. I'm saying that he doesn't only speak through. God will use anyone he pleases to use. The person just has to be willing to be used by God. We can have a powerful and purposeful year. If we, and I say we, because we're talking about the church today, right? Are we going to be powerful? Are we going to be purposeful as a church this year? We can be powerful and purposeful as a church if we are dedicating ourselves to crying out to God. Crying out to God, praying, speaking, communicating, having an intimate relationship with God. If we as a whole are willing to dedicate ourselves to this, we will be a powerful and purposeful church. So, today marks day one of our 21-day fast. And look, I'm already... <laughs> 21 days. 21 days. If you're new and you're saying, I don't know how I'm going to do it, listen... Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, God sustains us. He sustains us. He sees the, the, the decision and the dedication that you make to put some things aside. Things that you want to do, things that you want to eat, things that, you know, that, 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 that is part of your, your, your lifestyle. You, when you put them aside, you're telling God, like, listen, like, you're, you're greater than this. When we feed less of our flesh, we... Feeding more of our spirit. Now, we're, we're fasting as a church. 
We're fasting on our, our, as a church, and, and as we're crying out to God, we're, as a church, we're going to be growing closer to him. Now, we're not fasting for the purpose of getting a new car. We're not fasting for the purpose of getting a new job. We're not fasting for a purpose of getting a new church building. We're not fasting for the purpose of getting, finding parking, which, by the way, we know we need it. We know we need parking somewhere. Like God opened something up. We know we need parking, but we're not fasting for those reasons. We're fasting to grow closer to him, but I'm going to tell you something. You see, those, there's nothing wrong with all the things that I said. There's nothing wrong with the things I've mentioned. Those are all great blessings. But that's not why we're fasting. We're fasting to grow intimate with God. And guess what? One of the side effects of growing intimate, one of the side effects of getting closer to God, one of the side effects of, getting, uh, of having this, this relationship with God is that those side effects, those blessings come naturally. Those are the side effects of your relationship with God. Those are the side effects of, of your intimacy with God. Blessings. Now, I want to say this. Isn't it interesting, and we're about to get into this, right? Isn't it interesting that Jesus never taught his disciples how to teach or preach? What Jesus did teach his disciples is how to pray. How to pray. He didn't, you know, Jesus didn't send his disciples and say, okay, now you've been with me for a couple months. Let me, hey, uh, John and Peter, you guys go to the school of theology here, and, and I'm going to send you to the seminary. I'm going to send you to the, to, to, to Bible, uh, to uh, the school of prophecy, school of evangelism. I'm going to send you tonight. He didn't, he didn't divide them and send them out to this. He didn't teach them any of that, any of that. He didn't send them to school for any of that. What he did was he showed them how to get down on their knees before God the Father. That's what he showed them. You know, there's a saying that says prayer is a Christian's greatest uh, uh, privilege and also a Christian's greatest failure. Prayer is a Christian's greatest privilege and can also be a Christian's greatest failure. If you fail to pray then you fail to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. If you fail to pray, you miss out on one of the greatest privileges as a Christian you could possibly have, which is having conversation with the Father, our Creator. Oh, well, I didn't even look at it that way. I just thought praying is, you know, something that we're supposed to do. Do you know what a privilege it is? To be able to talk directly to God the Father. I, listen, let's say, let's say you guys had a phone number of somebody famous. Somebody famous. Somebody yell something out real quick. John Ramirez. Uh, uh, now everybody knows him. A uh, uh, Hollywood famous. Give me some Hollywood famous. The Rock. Right? What was that? Dwayne Johnson? All right, The Rock. If you had The Rock's phone number, if you had his phone number, and he told you, call me anytime. Who would not call The Rock? 
First of all, I'd be like, listen, I need a personal trainer. Maybe you can help me out, something. I mean, who would not call The Rock having his number and not only having his number, because then they'll be just stalking stuff if you just call him out of the blue, right? No, you have his permission. And he says, call me as much as you'd like. Listen, I want to talk to you. Just let me know every time you want. I'm here for you. If The Rock told you that, who would not call him? Listen, I want to hang out with you. Just give me a call. What? Listen. Everybody would, everybody would learn how to do the, the eyebrow thing. Everybody would learn to do the eyebrow thing. <laughs> and the thing is this, we have a direct line to someone that is greater than the rock. We have, someone's, uh, we have a direct line to, to someone that he is the rock. Woo, yeah, he is the rock, right? And the thing is, and the thing is we don't use it. We don't use it. Oh, you know, you know, using the rock as an example. We're on the rock, right? Using, using Dwayne Johnson as an example, how long before he realizes that you only call him when you're about to get beat up by somebody and you need a bodyguard? After a while, he's like, I'm not your friend. You're just using me. Every, you have my number and you can call me whenever you want, but you only call me when you're about to get beat up by somebody and you want me to stand next to you. And that's what we do with God. Matthew 6, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. We've heard this many, many times. We've read it probably many, many times. It's put on many t-shirts, websites, all sorts of places. It's famous. It's a famous prayer that Jesus teaches us. He says, in this manner... Therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be, thy, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So what I want to do this morning is I want to take a look at uh, three aspects of prayer. You know, three, three, three points I want to make about prayer. And the first one, the first one is purpose. There's purpose in prayer. There's purpose in prayer. And in verse 9, we, we, we read, it says, Our Father who is in heaven. So we already know <laughs> where our Father resides, right? And so one of our purposes of prayer is to reach heaven, to reach heaven. How else can you ever reach heaven? There's no other way. Ah, uh, well, there's one way. If you die uh, while saved. I mean, if you die while saved, then yes, you'll reach heaven. But other than that, there is no other way you right now can reach into the heavens. But when you pray to the Father, you are reaching into the heavens and having access directly to the Father who resides in heaven. One purpose in our prayer is to reach heaven. Now, I don't want to guilt people into praying. It happens, right? It happens. It happens. People feel guilted into prayer. They feel like, well, I guess I got to pray. Um, sometimes it seems like when we're talking about prayer a lot, it's like, man, you know, I keep hearing all this, and we're guilted into, 
into trying to get into God's presence. Let me give you an example, right? It's like if you don't pray, if you don't pray, you won't experience his presence. If you won't pray, you know, uh, he won't answer, you know, uh, you won't receive blessing. If you don't pray, you won't grow in the Lord. If you won't pray, you won't experience the supernatural. Now, guess what? All that is true. All that is true. But what happens is, um, what happens is when, when, when it's spoken in a certain way, or it's like, hey, if you don't do this, you won't experience this. So what happens is on me on the receiving end, I'm like, well, I guess I better pray because I want. Those two words, I want, is the reason why people will pray after being guilted. Instead of saying, I'm going to pray because he is. There's a difference in that. Now, you can pray and put petitions before the Lord and say, Lord, you know I need this, or you know I, I really feel like I, I desire this, and, and, he, and that's okay. But you're still praying, understanding who he is. And the difference is when you only pray saying, I want, I want, I want this from God, so I'll just pray. I want this from God, so I'll just pray. The thing is that Jesus never shamed us into praying. Jesus doesn't shame us into praying. He showed us the power of it. When you pray, we reach into the heavens. We reach into the heaven and, 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 we, and, and we realize that it's God's righteous hand that's awaiting us, waiting to bless us. Another purpose is that we relate to God as Father, our Father. He says it right there in verse 9, our Father. When we pray, we're realizing that we, we, we're, we're, we're acknowledging him as our Father, you know. Um, and the thing is that, that it's, it's like, okay, little old me, little old me, little old you. We, we have an opportunity, little old us, to have conversation with God the Father. Now, um, <laughs> he, he desires his intimacy with us. He desires these conversations with us. And, and just, like, uh, just like your parents, like when we go before people that we haven't met, uh, we're going to go job interview or we're going to go somewhere new or we're even in a new church and we don't know people, whatever the case may be, when we speak to somebody, it's like uh, a little bit of nerves, butterflies. Sometimes, you know, you just don't speak because you're that nervous. And, um, and we have difficulty being free in front of people we don't know. We have difficulty talking, speaking, um, articulating ourselves perhaps in front of people that we're not familiar with. But how is it when you speak with your parents? When you speak with your parents, you can be transparent. When you speak to your parents, you can tell them almost anything knowing that their love for you won't change. You can speak to your parents knowing that they really do care about the things that you're saying. And you have this, 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 like, there's no wall, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a healthy relationship with your parents. There's no wall that will keep you from being able to express yourself to the parents. The thing is, when we understand this, that God is our father, he speaks to him like your father. There's, it should be, it's the easiest way to speak. 
Like, it's easy, it's, it's, it's so easy to speak to God. Some people feel like, oh, so I don't know what to say when I pray. Just talk to the Father. Just speak with him. Share with what you're feeling, what you're experiencing, and then ask him to be a part of that. Ask him to lead you, to help you. And we're going to talk about patterns of prayer in a minute, but, but it's, it, there's a different feeling when you have the understanding that prayer is going before your heavenly Father to speak. Like most parents, right, God knows our fears. He knows our desires. He knows our, 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 our likes, our dislikes. You know, as God the Father, he knows that. I mean, parents, we know that about our kids. Even if they don't have to tell us, we know what they like or what they don't like. My daughter has this weird thing that she does now, right? It's like she, she loves the water. She loves the pool. Like if she could be in a pool 24-7, she'll be in a pool. However, if she's dry and wearing clothes, if she gets like a little bit like wet, like you know how you're just drinking something and it spills a little bit? It's like, oh, I'm wet. And it's like the world is falling apart. It's like quick, 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 dry it, dry it, do something. Look, it's wet, it's wet. And it's like a little drop. And it's this thing that really like bothers her. I'm like, yo, you get over it. She's like, no. Like, you know, like she really wants it to be dry or change a shirt like quick. She didn't, like, she never told me, hey, dad, listen, um, I don't like, I mean, I, but I know. In the same way, God knows everything that we like, we dislike, our fears. He knows these things. But he, what he desires is that he desires that we come close. He desires that we draw closer to him and then say, hey, God, since you know I got this problem, I need your advice. Hey, since I, you know I'm going through this, like, can you help me with this? Can you, can you, can you be there? You know, like, he wants like any parent would love for their child to say, hey, dad, I got a problem. Can you be there for me? What parent doesn't want to hear that when their kids are going through something? Another purpose is to give God honor, his due honor and worship. God is worthy of all praise. So we see, hallowed be thy name. People are like, well, what the heck does hollow mean? This is real simple. You know, uh, greatly revered, honored is his, name, is his name, holy is his name. All that, it, it, it's, 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 it's all twisted in there. Holy, greatly revered, honor. And the thing is, when we worship him in prayer, when we come before him and we praise him, we worship him, we're not worshiping him for the things that he just the things that he does. We're worshiping him for who he is. Listen, we gotta, we live in such an entitled world. It's always about, I'm gonna pray because I need this, like we just mentioned. I'm gonna worship him because he gave me this. Or he's going to give me this. And sometimes we leave out the most important aspect of praise and worship. But listen, you are just amazing God. You haven't given me anything, and yet you're amazing. You may never give me this, but you will always be amazing, and you will always be great, and you will always be holy. Let's get to a place where it doesn't matter if he gives or not. It doesn't matter if you receive or not. It doesn't matter if you're blessed or not. You can still worship him and praise him because he is worthy of it. Another purpose that we pray 
is because it releases God to act on our behalf. It releases God to act on our behalf. Give us this day our daily bread. Come on, God, give us this day our daily bread. Okay. You know, it's kind of like releasing him to act. And the thing is, we hear a bread, and especially right now, everybody's fast, like, well, uh, some toast would be good right now. You know, some toast and some butter. And So uh, even though he provides, even though he provides uh, physical bread, because uh, the verse Matthew 6, 26, it's a reminder of this, right? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more than they, more valuable than they? He said, oh, God feeds the birds. They, they have always to eat. Do you think the birds are more valuable than you? If we go back to the book of Genesis, we see how valuable we are compared to the animals. The animals are always valuable. Listen, tree huggers and animal lovers, I, we love animals too. We love animals too. But there's a difference. You see, what God did was he went like this and there were animals. But when it came to creation of man, he blew life into us. The breath of God. There's value in us that animals don't have. And so if he's going to feed them, if he's going to provide for them, the birds that are free, that don't have really a place, you know, they don't, they don't have a job, they, don't have, they can't go to the store and buy food when, they, you know, when they're hungry. He provides for them, right? How much more for you? Even though we're asking him not to provide too much physical bread right now because we don't want to fall into temptation as we're trying to fast. But it's not just physical bread, it's spiritual bread as well. He feeds your spirit, strengthens it so that we can overcome the flesh. The next aspect is I I mentioned pattern of prayer. Pattern of prayer. And there's nowhere in the Bible, there's nowhere in the Bible where we read that there has to be a specific way, using specific words in in a specific style of how we have to pray. Oh, but, but Pastor, the, what the Bible shows us, what the Bible shows us is principles and patterns given to us so that we can, um, throughout his word, so that we can pattern and model prayers after the examples that were given. If we go back to verse 9, there's a lot in verse 9. Verse 9 says, in this manner, and then he began to pray. In this manner, therefore, pray, he said. In this manner, let's break down manner. Manner, in this method, in, with this system, with this style, with this approach. So he's not saying this is the exact words you have to pray all the time. He's not saying that. He's saying in this method, I want you to pray. The Sermon on the Mount um, uh, in Matthew uh, chapter 5, you see that he gives like a pattern uh, for the believer to pray. And a lot of people, uh, they call it praying the beatitudes. Which, that's, a, that's, that's good. It's good to read, the, you know, read them and apply them to your prayers. In Luke 11, it, it just contains a pattern of prayer for uh, Lord, the Lord's disciples. Those that were with Jesus, he, they asked him, how do you want me to pray? And he gave, all right, pray like this. He gave him an example right there. And he gave him a pattern. God has given us a perfect pattern for our prayer life. 
We aren't going to use the same words every time we pray. We're not going to use the same style every time we pray. We're not going to use the same volume. Well, when I say amen, I got to get, oh, man. Okay, I, like, it's, it's like I'm not going to use this, do, do the same thing every time I pray. I'm not. Because what happens is if we begin to do that using the same words at the same time, same style, same format, same voice, pitch, whatever the case may be, then that is no longer a prayer. It's become some kind of ritualistic, cultish chant. That's what it's become. Because what happens is you're so focused on the words that you have to say you're so focused on how to say those words, and you're also focused that thus that's the way you have to say it, using those words for God to hear you. So what does that tell me? It's telling me that, well, you, you, do you think that the power is in, that, in the words that you're saying? No longer in the God that you're speaking to? So let's not get caught up in repeating ritualistic prayers. We can't. We're given methods, we're given systems, ways to approach God in prayer is the pattern that he's giving us. Using the, using the scriptures that we opened up with today, we see uh, several things that give us a pattern. Verse 9 opens up and automatically our Father in heaven. We, you know, in prayer, we acknowledge God. Do you have to say our Father in heaven? That way every time? No. How, how you, can, you can approach him and acknowledge him in all different ways. God, you are amazing. God, your father. God, you know, you acknowledge who he is when you go before him in prayer. It's part of the pattern that the word gives us. Acknowledge him and worship him. We saw that by hollow by name. So we acknowledge who he is. We worship him. We give him praise. We, uh, his will, we talk about uh, his will. In prayer, there's a pattern that after, you know, you acknowledge him and, and, you, and you worship him and you pray for his will to be done. Now, what does this mean? But pastor, I have things to pray for. I got people that are sick. I got, I got bills to pay. Uh, yeah, okay, lift them up to God. Lord, here are the people that are sick. Here are the bills that need to get paid. Here are the things that I need to happen in my life. Now, God, may your will be done. The difference is when we put a petition before God and we expect God to say, "This, uh, God, I want you to do this. And we expect God to just do that. When and we go before God, we lift petitions up, right? Acknowledging the areas in our life where we need an intervention of God. And then after we lift it up, we say, Lord, let your will be done in these areas in my life. You may think that you have the best solution for it, but we know that God does. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is something that is, is a part of the pattern for prayer. When uh, you, you read, um, forgive us of our debts. When we forgive us, and so when we go before God, we have to ask forgiveness. Listen, how many times do we sin? How many times do we fall short? When we go before the God, before God the Father, we should take as like, okay, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm right here. I'm before my, my almighty, my king. I'm sorry, sorry for the other day. Sorry for what, what happened this morning. Sorry for that I didn't, I didn't respond in a way that your child should have responded. Help me next time. 
Be stronger in that. Deliver us. Deliver us from temptation. Keep, <laughs> keep us from evil. <laughs> Deliver us from, 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 uh, from evil. Keep us from temptation. People, and, and this is something that I was talking with a couple of, of, of my wife and, and uh, I think it was just uh, with Ruby and Rachel just the other day. As Christians, we need to be praying. We need to be praying for deliverance all the time. Many times we feel like, oh, I'm a Christian. I don't need to pray for deliverance because I'm a Christian. Oh, there's many Christians that need to be delivered from a lot of different things. It doesn't stop just when you accept, when you accept Christ. Okay, I'm good now. The, the enemy will never uh, sway me. The enemy will never tempt me. The, the enemy will never put things in my mind, in my heart. No. We need to constantly be asking for deliverance. And the Bible gives us the example for the, uh, in, in, in this prayer right now. In his pattern for prayer, he's saying, deliver us from evil. So does that mean it's a one, every once in a while thing? No, it means God is saying, listen, when you come before me, this is, you know, this is, this is part of your prayer. This is a part of something that you should be asking for. Thanks. Like, wait a minute. It didn't say thanks in that prayer. It didn't say thank you. It said, it said for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. I'm going to tell you how this, how this, what this, why this means thank you. I'm going to tell you why it means thank you. Um, because it's pretty much saying, I know you're going to answer this prayer. Now, now let's rewind back because you can't pray for something and be like, thank you, Jesus. I know he's going to give me this. You see, if you are praying correctly, and we just talked about praying and asking for his will. So what happens is if you're praying before God, and listen, I want us to get this because we're praying for 21 days. We're fasting for 21 days. Let, when we're praying, we say, God, let your will be done in my life. Let your will be done in my church. Let your will be done in our community. Then I can end the prayer with saying, thank you, for I know that you have already answered my prayer. Because what I have prayed for was your will to begin with. And God will desire his will to be done so I can thank him in advance for doing what he's going to do anyway. I'm going to thank you. I'm going to give you all the glory. I'm going to tell everyone, I'm going to tell everyone I come in contact that it was because of you. You have all the power. You know, sometimes, even, and this, this, is, this is a problem with Christians, because, you know, the world doesn't really experience it, but, but when God uses us, Right? When God uses us as people that we are, sometimes there's something called pride that creeps in. And as pride creeps in, we feel like, oh, well, it was because of my prayer that Elvin is healed. It's because, it is because of my prayers that the church now has parking. Listen, yo, we're gonna keep on talking about this parking, amen. Um, you know, and the thing is, and the thing is, we have to be careful because I'm gonna tell you right now: as quickly as you get puffed up, is as quick as. Yep. Yeah. Come on, listen, listen, listen. Let's fight against pride, because pride will separate you from God. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Okay, the next point, the third and final point is uh, strength. There's strength and power. I mean, there's power, there's strength in prayer. 
power and their strength in prayer. Matthew 6, 10, the beginning of it, it said, your kingdom come, your will be done. You're like, well, what does that have to do with strength? What does that have to do with power? Uh, excuse me. His kingdom come. His will be done. There's power in that. Can I tell you that strength comes through submission? Strength comes to, through submission. And I'm going to tell you right now how we battle with submission because the world has given submission such a dirty name. Because if we submit, we're weak. If we submit, we're giving in to the man, right? If we submit, then, then you know, uh, I, I, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not as, uh, as strong and powerful I'm supposed to be. You know, I can't just give in. I can't just give up. I can't just submit to someone else. And so the world teaches us the opposite. Stand your ground, right? Well, there's times to stand your ground. The Word tells us to stand our ground. It says to stand on His rock, though, right? I stand on Him to hold our ground in Him. But the thing is, we're taught in this world, stand your ground with your own beliefs, with your own feelings. No one could tell you about your feelings. You know, they, that, that is who you are. No one could tell you that they're wrong. No one could tell you that they're not good for you. No, no, that's all you. Stay firm for who you are. Don't change for anybody. Yet the Bible is saying you need to change. The world has given us this, this, this dirty uh, name, uh, dirt, this dirty I guess, a uh, theme around submission where now it's so difficult to submit. And we see it. We see it every day. We see it in the churches of those that are already saved. We see it when they, don't, when they have difficulty submitting. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. They have difficulty submitting to their covering, to their church, to their leadership, to their pastor. Listen, you think, do you think I, I want to spend my nights? I, can I, oh, I'm sorry. Can I, I'm going to be real. Do you think I want to spend my nights? When I could be with my wife and my daughter, relaxing, right, sipping on hot chocolate. <laughs> Telling you, you can't do this. This is what the, look at the Bible. The Bible says you need to, you need to learn because the Bible wants you this. And you're like, Pastor, well, I don't know about all that. Or, or, or in front of me, you say, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the next day you're back to the, the, you're back to the same thing. Listen, there's, there's power in submission. And you're not submitting to me. You're not. I'm just, I'm, look, I'm just, I'm just a, a vessel that God is just using, that God uses sometimes, a mouthpiece, to just tell you what his word says. So if his word says, if, I, if I'm relaying, listen, the Bible says this, and maybe you should apply this to your life, and you rebel against it, you disobey it, then, then you're, not, you're not hurting me. You're not hurting me. You're disobeying God. You're disobeying his word. When you fail to submit to a covering, and, and, uh, and listen, I'm, I'm, I'm a Philadelphian now. I am. I am. I just, I'm, I'm still a Giants fan, but I'm a Philadelphian. All right? I love the cheesesteaks. I love the cheesesteaks, the pretzels, all that stuff is good. Right? been here long enough but I'm gonna tell you something that I've noticed and maybe it's only because I live here that I notice it if I would live somewhere else maybe I'd notice it there but <laughs> I'm not getting me in trouble all right look 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 Philadelphia is full of church hoppers 
You know how you know you know when you was not saved, you go club hopping. Come on, don't act like you don't know. Club hopping was you start the night in one club and, and you would be there for a little bit, and then you're like, oh, either somebody would show up that you didn't want to see, or it was time to move on to the next one. You go to the next one and then move on to the next one. And and always trying to find the better one. Always trying to find the better one, the more the the more the, the, the one that was more popping, the more lit, whatever the case may be, and you ended up going from one to the other to the other to the other. What happens in Philadelphia is that so many people are like, you know what, Pastor, I don't want to submit to what you've just told me, so I'm gonna go to this church. And then they're there. And then when this pastor tells them, listen, because what happens is God sees the same thing. It wasn't it wasn't uh, uh, something that this pastor just made up. God reveals, so then God reveals it to this pastor, and he's like like, hey, listen, you got to work on this. You know what? I don't like the way you spoke to me, so I'm going to go to this church. And before you know it, you have people that in five years have gone to five churches. I don't understand that. Or nowadays, you know, this church has the cooler background, so I'll just go to that one. Not even following the direction of the Holy Spirit. Listen, you need to be where God sends you. And if he sends you somewhere, oh, my dad was, listen, I told, my dad was like, we, uh, we were trying to do the live thing, you know, the father and son thing. And um, I was telling my dad, like, let's do it, let's do it. My wife is trying to get us to do it. Like, Come on. And my dad was like, no, not right now. We'll do it later. But my dad mentioned something. Um, he said, uh, oh, my God, I just forgot it. He said, um, I, got, I got overexcited. I got overexcited. Bouncing around. He said, he, okay, I'll come back to it. I got, I got too excited. Church hopping, church hopping. All right, all right. Let's get back into it anyway. We're getting off subject. We don't submit to his word. We don't submit to teachers, to elders of the church because we find it so hard to submit, but there's power in submission. Second Chronicles 7.14, this is another one that's imprinted in many people's brains. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their land. Until, real, until we realize that it's God who decides and it's God who provides, not what you can do, not who you know, not how much you have, but when we realize that it's God that does all that, We, you can't humble yourself. You can't be humble before God if you don't realize that he's the one. That's it. That's it. Strength comes through humility. Humility and strength is needed in our Christian walk. Why, why do we need strength? Um, we need strength to combat the enemy, right? We need strength to, to face the enemy of our soul. There's an, a real enemy out there that wants to destroy you. And we need to be strong to overcome that. We need to be, we need to be str- uh, strong to face life, life's ups and downs. We need to be strong. It's easy to be strong when you're, when you're up. But guess what? We never live up here all the time. We all go through our downs, our valley lows. And strength gets us through those. You know, it's, um, speaking of lows and, you know, ups and downs, you know, uh, we hear our parents tell us like, oh, you know, when I was your age, don't complain. Because you don't know what, what hard times are. 
When I was your age, I, I used to have to walk in the snow and go to school. They never canceled school ever uh, for snow. That was one thing I started hearing toward like high school years. When you'd be like, come on, cancel snow. I canceled the school for snow. And my dad was like, they, my parents were like, they never canceled, you know, back in the day. Nowadays, our kids will be able to tell their kids, you don't know what hard, what, oh, you're mad because you can't go to your friend's house today? You're mad because I'm not going to take you to the playground today? You know, when I was a kid, we had to wear masks and stay home for almost a whole year. You don't know what rough is. We couldn't see our friends. We couldn't see our family. We couldn't go to the pool, to the park. You don't know what it is to be on lockdown complaining that you're home tonight. That's what our kids are going to tell their kids. It takes strength to love God above all things. Because if not, then you'll crumble, you'll sway, you'll compromise. It takes a special strength to love others as yourself. It takes a special strength, a special strength that you will find nowhere but in the Lord. No matter how nice of a person you are, to love others as yourself only God can give you that. The, only God can give you that strength to love someone like that. Luke 10, 27 says, the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> he says, you better love God really good <laughs> with everything. And, and at the end, when, when you, once you do all those, once you love the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind, okay, now love your neighbor <laughs> as yourself. There's a, listen, there's no coincidences and orders in the word of God. It's not like, oh, well, it was just written that way. No, there's purpose to how his word is written. There's strength in the name of Jesus. And when we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus, Right? Um, when we ask, we ask in the name of Jesus. He provides not only spiritually, but physically as well. You know, whether spiritual, whether spiritual or physical. Whether it's physical strength or uh, spiritual friend, uh, strength. See, that's the lack of sugar. That's the lack of carbs. Um, God will supply it in abundance when you ask in the authority and in the power of Jesus' name. So in closing, in closing, you're saying, okay, all right, Pastor, you spoke about prayer. There's purpose in prayer. There's patterns to prayer. There's power. There's strength in prayer. I get it. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us. All good stuff. All good stuff for our first Sunday service in 2020. But Pastor, usually... Usually the type of New Year services and the type of New Year messages are, you're going to be great this year. God is going to do big things this year. You know, there's a miracle in store for you in 2020. We could go down the list, right? Uh, uh, the best of you is yet to come. God wants more of you. We talk about uh, um, this is your year. This is your year. 
for answered prayers. This is your year for the blessing. This is your year. I mean, you know, we can go down the list. New year, new you. This is the year that you discover your gifts. We can go down the list of all the titles and sermons that are usual for New Year's Sunday, for Sunday, first, first Sunday of the new year. But as I was reading this and I was, I was saying all these titles, like new you, blessings, the promises, the answer, I give all the stuff that would have been, can I tell you that without prayer, all of it is worthless. I can I can I can yell at you in the face and say, "This is your year for the promise. God's promise for your life this year." And you go home and never pray and you'll miss out on something that God has for you. Why am I going to hype you up this year and not prepare you for what's most important? Most important first that we get off the year understanding we all need to pray. We need to pray. We need to understand there's purpose in prayer. We need to understand that it doesn't matter if you know how to pray, know how to, the Bible gives us patterns. Follow the pattern. Use your own words, your own style, your own language. And we need to understand that it's not in our strength that we get things done, but it's in his strength because there's power in that prayer. Prayer is the word that we're using these days, COVID land, is prayer is essential. It should be a part of your everyday life. It can't, it, it can't stay home. It is essential. So I challenge everyone that's watching today. You don't have to be from Lighthouse. You don't have to, you know... Uh, be a, be a member of this church. But if you're watching, then you know what? You're stuck because I'm going to challenge you right now. I'm challenging you this morning to join us on a 21-day fast. Oh, but pastor, I had breakfast. It's okay. Start now. It's okay. Start now. I challenge you to join us on a 21-day journey. I call it a journey because as a church, we're going to be traveling to get closer to God. We're on a journey to be somewhere where we aren't right now. So if we feel, well, we have a great relationship with God. Amen. Well, guess what? After 21 days, we should have a greater relationship with God. I challenge you. I was listening to a fellow pastor in the city, and uh, this morning he has an early morning service. I was listening to him. I was driving, and he said, um, "He said God needs a hundred percent, right? From us, we want God. Like we want more of His grace. We want more of His presence. We want more of His power. We want more of His healing. We want more of the supernatural. We want more revival. We want these things, right? We want more and more and more. And God's like, what you, what you got for me? You're asking all this and you can't even give me all of you. You're asking for supernatural things, but you're not giving me 100%. Well, what do you mean? I mean, I pray and I read and I go to church every once in a while. So why am I, how am I not giving 100%? If you have a church home, 
if you have a church home, you know what? These are some, these are some um, side effects of giving God 100%. Because this doesn't necessarily mean that this is what you do. You do this to give him 100%. But these are side effects. When the church has an event, when the church has a service, when the church has a Bible study, when the church has prayer, you be there. That's a side effect of giving God 100%. When the church collects an offering, you give. That's a side effect of giving God 100%. When the church has an opportunity for you to serve, you serve. Which is a side effect of giving God 100%. And then in your own life, you seek Him. You spend quiet time with Him. You can't honestly sit at home and say, I've been giving God 100%, and you only tune in on Sundays on YouTube or on Facebook. And you feel like you're, can you, can you, do you really feel like you're giving God 100%? Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Like right now, nobody can see that I'm looking at you, but I'm looking at you. Do you can you honestly say you have given God 100%, but that yet you expect God to give you more? So guess what? Let's take advantage that we're joining together in fasting. Because now together, as we fast corporately, we're going to do our best to give God more of us. And I'm telling you, I'm expecting something powerful. And I'm not doing it because of that. You know what? It's a side effect that I can't wait to experience. So with that, I don't know how many of you would take me up on that challenge to fast corporately with us. There's many different ways. It's on our Facebook page, on our website. But be dedicated. Commit. And fight through it. There's going to be hard days that you feel like you're going to break. And at that moment, my recommendation is you get a glass of water and you go before God in prayer quickly and he will continue to sustain you father god i just thank you lord for this opportunity to come before you lord today i thank you lord for your word for our church today for all those that are watching today father god i we need you we need more of you but before we need more of you you need more of us Lord, ignite in us that flame, that passion to give you more. To give you more of us. More of our time. More of our, of our attention. More of our mind. More of our heart. That we may feed ourselves throughout these next three weeks, Lord, your word. We may fill ourselves with what you desire. Lord, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Let your will be done in our lives individually. Let your will be done for our church. And I thank you, Lord, because I know that you will answer. I know that you will have your way. And may you get all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.